to FinTech for the People. I'm Ami Parbu, your host and the managing partner of Axion Venture Lab. If you're tuning in for the first time, Axion Venture Lab is a global early stage investor in startups that are bringing affordable, well-designed financial services to underserved people around the world. This is our second season of FinTech for the People, and we'll be showcasing six of our portfolio companies that are all innovating around the hottest topic in FinTech, embedded finance. Specifically, we'll be talking to them about how they use embedded finance to serve the unmet needs of small businesses around the world. We'll be discussing each founder's entrepreneurial journeys, the innovative products they're building, and how they believe embedded finance could change how small businesses access finance. With that, I'd like to introduce our first guest, Andy Milne. Andy is CEO of Kunda, an API-based embedded lender which provides liquidity services to agents, micro-merchants, and consumers across the world. It's wonderful to have you join us, Andy. Thanks, Ami. It's great to be here. Great. Well, before we dig into what you're building at Kunda, I'd love to hear more about your journey as an entrepreneur. Would you tell us more about your background and how you ended up becoming a founder? Absolutely. So Kunda is actually my fourth startup that I've been involved in as one of the sort of founding team members. Um, so started in 1999, so a long time ago. Uh, and I've always been involved in businesses that took specialized services and wrapped technology around them. So our first business was actually an internet business. It wasn't mobile phones in those days. Uh, and it was, it was in the healthcare sector. So we built out an insurance health and wellness platform on the internet in South Africa. Our clients there were Virgin Health Clubs and insurance companies. Virgin Group actually ended up buying that business. So that was the first step of really understanding the power of technology. When I left Virgin, the Virgin Group, I then launched one of South Africa's first telemedicine businesses. And we launched that in about six, seven African markets, including South Africa, as well as Indonesia. So my first foray of taking technology into Asia was was Indonesia. That business itself we sold to MMI Holdings, which is South Africa's third largest insurance company. And by that stage, we had sort of added microinsurance, health savings accounts, and health loans to the product, not just providing pure telemedicine. And that's how I then ended up sort of, again, stayed with, stayed with that business probably around five years after MMI invested in the business and bought it out. And then I was approached to join Zona the Zambia and Malawi payments business, uh, where I now moved from the sort of healthcare and the telemedicine and the microinsurance experience into payments. And that's where I was lucky enough to work with and meet my two co-founders, Morna and Sam. And when we left, we all left quite at similar times to, from Zona. We were approached to, to put a team in place with the Lashego Group. And at that stage, Sam had been in the DRC, had built out the first iteration of a liquidity platform, and we came together and said, let's let's give it 12 months working for Lashego and see if we can build out a business that can solve liquidity in not, not just for mobile money agents, but for sort of micro-merchants, agents, and then eventually, you know, see if we can solve some liquidity for consumers as well. That's great. And maybe maybe picking up from that, can you tell us more about Kunda? What's driving this liquidity challenge for micro merchants and how are you solving it? As you mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're a B2B embedded finance business. Uh, so we will partner with what we call strategic partners who have got either an agent network, an informal retail network, or a network of consumers using 
digital payment platforms like Mobile Money. We embed inside their world and solve liquidity because all, all of these end users, whether it's an agent, uh, informal merchant, or a consumer, all run out of e-money at some point in time. And then getting access to rebalancing it and replenishing it is sometimes compromised. Or they don't have enough. You know, all of all of our users, because they're real sort of at bottom of the pyramid customers, if you like, um, they they live on two to three days of working capital capability. So they're to- constantly juggling different requirements, whether it's paying school fees, paying healthcare, f- buying stock for their businesses, and at the same time having enough e money to be able to service customers. It's always compromised. And what we wanted to do was come up with a sort of different way of saying, how do we fund a couple of things differently? One is instantaneous access to liquidity when you need it. Uh, so to do that, you need, we needed to build out our APIs, integrate properly into the, into the mobile money partners' systems or payment platforms uh, so that as the end user is doing a transaction, whether it's an agent doing a cash-in for a customer or a customer needing to send $5 to their parents in, the, in a village somewhere else, if they don't have enough liquidity, how do we do it in real time? And that's where we've sort of developed a bit of specialization is, is creating that frictionless access to instantaneous liquidity to fund transactions. And I, I think that's really the, the interesting piece of the puzzle for us is, is when, a, when a transaction needs to happen, how do, whether, it's, whether it's an agent doing a cash-in or an airtime top-up, an informal retailer wanting to buy stock that doesn't have enough cash to buy the stock, or a customer needing to do a consumer transaction, if as they need to do it, we provide that liquidity by letting them go into negative balance. And we do it in a totally frictionless way with our partners. When you say frictionless, why is that important and what does that look like for Kunda? We actually sort of debated this when we first launched because you, you always got the temptation to get closer to the customer and have access to them. So you know, we debated whether we were totally seamless inside the, the strategic partners platform, payment platform, or do we create an externalized AP, um, app which the end user has to use to be able to get access to the, to the liquidity we're providing? We made the decision when we started that it had to be completely frictionless, otherwise you won't get the, the right usage of the product for the end user. So in our world, the and I'll, I'll use the agent example because it's, it's quite an interesting one, is an agent starts the day by deciding how much liquidity they need to hold in their, in their float account. So say they can afford $20, they go rebalance for $20, they've got $20 in their business float account. They've had a busy day of customers coming for cash-ins, airtime sales, bill payment transactions. That float is now down at $2.00. It's one in the afternoon. Customer comes in for a $4 transaction. The transaction fails on the strategic partner's payment platform. And what it does then in the, in the system is the system says, would you like to access your overdraft? The agent just presses one on his phone. And then that triggers the calls from the Imposit platform to the Kunda platform. We check if, does, does the agent qualify? Have they registered? Do they still have limit? Are they in good standing, et cetera? If all of that's affirmative. What we do is, is we push the $3 to f- complete the $4 transaction when they only have $1. And then, and this all happens in nanoseconds. So the customer standing in front of the agent doesn't actually even know that they've run out of float. And then the, the, the $3 is transferred into the agent's account and instantaneously the customer transaction occurs. 
Then what we've got on top of that is we've got auto strikes in the system. So any incoming float to the agent's wallet, we take back immediately. So in that environment, that's what we mean by instantaneous. The, the disbursements are instantaneous to fund a customer transaction and the repayments are also automated. So you know, in Tanzania at the moment, we're doing just uh, around about 40,000 disbursements a day and over 92% of them are paid back before nine o'clock at night. Wow. So super short-term extension of credit, but that doesn't even necessarily feel like credit to to one of these agents. Totally. And it's and with that product in particular, it's the only sort of revenue accretive liquidity solution we've kind of come across in the market. So, you know, if we, we've got a dynamic pricing table so that it, depending on, we only fund transactions that earn the agent commission. And we always make sure that the charge we charge them is less than the commission they, they make. Mm. So if they use their own float, they make 100% commission. If they use our float, they make less commission, but they're still making money. So there's actually no risk for that product to, to the agent to use it. It just, you know, they, instead of turning customers away and creating a bad experience, they're now servicing more and more customers. Yeah, which is, I think, such a powerful part of, of your model versus, you know, when, when people talk about embedded finance these days, the first thing that comes to mind is buy now, pay later for consumers. And effectively, yeah. what you're doing is kind of a buy now, pay later for credit for micro merchants and for agents. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can't get it 100% right all the time. It depends on the, the ecosystem you're working with in terms of your partners. Um but what we do try and do is spend a lot of time in the user flows to make sure that we're funding specific transactions. Um, so it's it's really, it, it takes a lot of work. You can't get it right to 100% of the time. So we do have a we do have a term loan product in, in, in the market for agents as well where they need working capital and cash. That's less controlled, but we still have the auto strikes in place. So we've got these complementary products of fund transactions versus a term loan that gives them access to working capital, which gives them more flexibility of how to use that that product. That's great. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear how you think about embedded finance. That's what we're talking about this season, particularly as it you know pertains to small businesses. And you work on the very low end of those small businesses with these micro merchants. But what, what does embedded finance mean to you? It's obviously at, at its most base level, it needs to be totally embedded into your partners' environment and their ecosystem. So for us, it's about saying your partners have spent a massive amount of money creating these channels. They've got payment systems. How do you provide a totally embedded experience to the end user so they actually don't even know that you exist? It's totally, totally seamless. So, And also, we're not a, we're not a lending institution per se. We're almost like the connective tissue between a strategic partner, which would be an M-Pesa, and a bank partner, which would be in Tanzania's case, it's Finca. And then we manage the, we built the platform, we build the product, we do the integrations into M-Pesa's system. We set up the disbursement wallet, the collection wallet and the fees wallet. We then go to a bank partner and provide them with a one-stop solution, fully developed loan management system with gamification, referral systems, sort of CRM management in terms of designing messages. Uh, we've got segmentation, we've got the data insights, and all of that doesn't need any development from our bank partners. So it's literally, we're switching the lights on for them to be able to do this sort of high-velocity liquidity solutions for our strategic partners, 
and our model is also a revenue shared model. So we don't we just we're not like a SaaS where you just you know you you secure the put the partner you you charge for use. We actually take risk with the bank partner in terms of credit risk and revenue risk, and so we're totally committed and aligned to growing the products because if we don't grow the products with the strategic partner on behalf of the bank then we obviously wouldn't make any returns ourselves. I want to stick with the strategic partners for a second. You've had a lot of experience working with telcos as primary partners. What made you decide to work with telcos as a strategic partner? And how do you see your partnership approach evolving? That is a really good question. And telcos are not the easiest partners to work with. The telcos have invested millions and millions of dollars in years building up agent networks, customer bases, and transactional volumes. And if you think around it, if it's a small network, small customer base, very few transactions, there's unlikely to be a liquidity challenge. So, you know, it was it, it was a pr- pretty much chosen for us to start with mobile network uh, telcos and the mobile money operators. They've got the scale, particularly in East Africa, and they have the biggest challenge of liquidity. So if we're going to solve liquidity, go to where the biggest challenge is. So that's that's the starting point. At the same time, you've got this emerging market of digital players trying to solve the sort of the whole spectrum of the informal sector's sort of value chain, particularly in the in the retail sector. So, and there we do see an opportunity to be the embedded finance partner of of businesses that don't have the capabilities, the scoring, the data capabilities to do that themselves. And it takes it takes a lot of time to. To build out a platform, I mean, we, we've been going for four years. We're in two markets, and it's taken four years to really build up a very, very comprehensive understanding of the market, but also the technology behind it and the credit scoring and the algorithms. You know, we're handling to, at this point in time over twenty-five million lines of data per day because our algorithms get fed every day by transactional data coming in from every partner. Um, so to do that. You have to start with the scale solution, as I said. But you know, we're very, very excited in developing sort of more digital partnerships outside of just the, the telco operators. And we're starting to do that. I mean, Pakistan in particular is a very, very interesting market where the mobile money space is still quite fragmented, whereas the sector that seeks the digitizing it at the quickest is really that last mile e-commerce delivery space. And there's a lot of really good players out there who don't have embedded finance capabilities. So we're having conversations with them to say, you know, we've got a solution. We understand the market. We understand how to score it. Uh, let's partner and, and build out liquidity solutions for your retailers and ultimately then the retailers' customers. And you often hear they want to build this in-house. They want to do it themselves and start to offer you know, lending to their retailers on their own. But what, what what makes them come to you and want to plug into Kunda? Some people will try it. Um, some people will realize it's incredibly hard, not just building out the platform, doing the scoring and building a product, but also managing either license or balance sheet. Mm. But you are going to have people that will try it. Some will do well, some will fail. But what we are seeing is, is a lot of these, their core, it's not their core business. They do need to diversify revenue streams, we, we get that. But we're, we're sort of going to these players and saying, there's no cost of CapEx, there's no cost of OPEX. Yeah. You don't need to worry about the balance sheet because we manage that with the bank partners that we've got. 
and you don't have to build any technology that's going to distract your sure. your teams from your core business, which is you know signing up acquiring merchants and giving them a great experience and and being able to deliver the goods that they're ordering from you on time. So you know what we are seeing is is you do have this constant thing. Well, we we're thinking about doing it, but as as businesses start to realize the complexity of doing it. And the need to focus on their core competency, you know, we're quite confident that we'll we'll secure quite a, a number of partners in in this space versus the work we're already doing with the with the telcos and the mobile money operators. Let's talk about your success thus far. I mean, how how do you measure it? What have been your your outcomes so far? We chose Tanzania as our first market. So in in December 2019, we launched with Mpesa with the first product. Uh, and we kind of said to ourselves, and we bootstrapped the business until the end of last year when we did the seed round. And we're a great believers in in products need time to find market product market fit. Um, and we wanted to launch with a large market with multiple products before going in to to look for for some seed capital. So we started in Tanzania with the overdraft product, which is for agents that has had over ninety thousand agents use the product since we launched. We have about thirty-nine to 40,000 active agents per month. As I said earlier, we're doing about between thirty-eight to 45,000 disbursements per day, depending on the, the time of month. And that product itself, we've dispersed over $130 million. And what's quite interesting with that is we've only used $350,000 of capital from the bank for that product. Yeah. Because its velocity is just so crazy. Crazy. Incredible. And then about 12 months after launching the overdraft, we, we noticed with the agent networks that whilst float financing was a real issue for the 140,000 active agents in Tanzania with Mpesa, we noticed that sort of 70 to 80,000 also had a working capital requirement. So we then built out our term loan product, which has also been incredibly successful. So there we've done over 350,000 disbursements. Uh, we're about $18 million of loans dispersed. Those are much more longer term, so 7, 14, and 30, also with auto strikes. And that's now starting to scale up nicely. And then at the beginning of this year, we secured the consumer overdraft product in Tanzania. And now currently, we last month, so end of May, we had 850,000 active customers on the platform. And next, this month in June and July, we'll go over 1.2 million active. So this, we're starting to see some great growth in Tanzania. And then in in Pakistan, we've launched a, a retailer version of the overdraft product with OneNote, the, one, the largest bill payment provider in, in Pakistan. And we'll be, we've credit scored, I think, just over 35,000 retailers. Incredible numbers and traction for, for a seed company. It's really, really incredible to hear that. And what's your vision for the future? What, where do you see Kunda in five years? We really want to progress into this concept of transactional on-demand-based lending. So the, as digital ecosystems become more and more advanced, we really want to get closer and closer to that real-time instantaneous access to liquidity on transaction-based requirements rather than consumption-based. So we want to sort of really position ourselves as a leader in that space. Uh, we obviously have to – we're a digital financial services sort of business – we're busy with rollouts. Whilst we're live in two markets, we've secured rollouts for M-Pesa in the DRC and Mozambique. Uh, we have Airtel Money. We're going into Malawi, Zambia, Uganda, uh, also the DRC and Nigeria. And we're busy 
closing out a partnership with a, a local player in Egypt as well. So all of these are sort of in play at this point in time. And, you know, so there's a very real potential that within the next 24 months, we'll be in eight to 10 African markets. And, and I'd love to see us in, the, in one or two more Asia markets as well. I think, I think the products that we've built out over the last sort of two and a half years are also relevant in, in LATAM and Central America. So, you know, if we can find the right partners, I mean, we're a collaborative business. So we need, you know, the way we look at our world is we need a strategic partner who has a liquidity need. We build the products for, with them and then we go and secure bank partners. So we're a really capital light business. Our tech is highly scaled and tested. So it's really about finding those strategic partners because we, we've got the, the track record and the data now to be able to show a bank that it's, it's a good model and they can make a good return on it as the balance sheet provider in, in this sort of very digital nano liquidity world. Incredibly exciting to hear the plans into the future. Just one last question for me, Andy. As a multi-time founder, you've learned what works and I imagine what doesn't work in an early stage company. What principles have you brought to Kunda in building out especially a high quality team? I mean, the first thing is time. I spoke about that. Businesses need time. You've got to, and you've got to carve out the capacity to give time um, rather than rushing things. Resilience. And, and I've been in business for a long time. That resilience, particularly in the startup environment, is hugely, hugely important. Not just mental resilience, but just you know resilience of of managing the complexity of a startup. And then I think it comes down to ensuring the partners you bring in that you work with are highly, highly complementary skill sets. So if you if you look at Sam Mona and I, as I've got a lot of experience uh, in the commercial space. I've launched businesses, I do business development, so I'm very strong in, in that area. Mona is, you know, one of the top data scientists and credit scoring people in this in this sort of nano space. And then Sam's an incredible product person. So, you know, three starting people are very, very complimentary. I've done outside of launching businesses, I've done a lot of mentoring of startups over the last sort of five years. And what I often see is they'll typically be very strong in data or very strong in product. They might not have the commercial experience and capabilities, and very few of them have all three. So, so I think making sure that you know if you are be building out a product-led business, which we are, is you've got to be super strong in product. If you're in the digital space, you've got to be the, the product can't be sustainable without really, really deep data analytics. And because we're a, we're a lending platform, you need the credit scoring and the IP around the credit scoring. And then you've got to wrap that around some sort of commercial framework that can allow the business to scale properly. And then it's obviously, it's sort of building out that vision so that you can recruit the right teams. We've got people all over the, all over the world. Now we've got a data and finance team in Cape Town. We've got teams in Tanzania and Pakistan. We're building out an operational hub in Nairobi, in Kenya, to manage the sort of African markets. If you can't build out a vision that attracts really great people to join you, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to create a, a sustainable business long-term. That's great. Great advice for any founder getting started, especially, I mean, to your point of product, uh, data and business development. I mean, for embedded finance, those three elements are 
Critical. But super, thank you so much, Andy, for this great conversation. Really inspiring to hear all that you've achieved um, in, a, in a short period of time. Uh, but thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, David. And, and thanks for supporting us too. Tune in next week when we travel to Indonesia to hear from Mir Hawk, founder and CEO of Fairbank. Fairbank is a tech provider that integrates with corporate partners like fast-moving consumer goods companies to provide their end customers, which are mom-and-pop retailers, with a simple embedded buy-now-pay-later solution. We're injecting liquidity into a system, making it healthier, right? Where the before, without liquidity, the system wasn't able to meet the consumer demand. Merchants were buying far less what they could sell and we are capturing that delta through liquidity. And so entire ecosystem is benefiting from it.